This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Off the Rail Fridays is upon us yet again. Are we going to start with the show on the rails or just never get it on the rails? I'm taking it off right now. The PGA Championship's on our TV. Or Players' Championship, whatever. Which means that there's a really good excuse if we're not paying attention to each other. <laughs> uh, Kip? Kipper. K- Kipper, I said something. Squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> Who did we have on? Remember when we I did the show during uh, Canada's first game at the World Cup? Oh, yeah. And who did we have on? Someone we utterly disrespected. I can't remember who it was we had on. And I remember watching the YouTube video back, and neither of you guys listened to one word they said. <laughs> oh, You're well, both just well, staring at this. tournament for yeah. Canada. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that won't be the case because we do have uh, a terrific lineup for you. Uh, Chris Terry and former Flyer defenseman going to be joining us about 20 minutes to tell us what the hell is going on in Philadelphia. Chuck Fletcher out as general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. Danny Briere named interim general manager. I only got one question for Bundy. Why now? Like, are you kidding me? I think why now with the caveat that why not sooner? Oh my gosh, I you guess. Know, you know, that to me, I said this in our group chat, but like the JVR not getting traded. What are we doing here? Like, you, you can't just have an asset. You're trying to be bad. He wants to go play. You're trying to stockpile assets. How do you not move him somewhere? Someone would have taken him. No, I, I don't think so. No one wanted James and Reamstein. Nobody wanted JVR. Well, and if you did, then I'll shut my uh, mouth. how could you have made the money work? That's just it. Even if you wanted him, mm-hmm. the $7 million price tag says... You got to double retain on a guy that that, you're like, what do I want you for? Really? hmm. You're coming in as a frontline guy. No, they couldn't give him away. Wave him. Are you, are you coming to my team to like run somebody over in the playoffs? No, Hmm. I I'm, I'm trying to point out that there's enough examples aside from that one, but I am shocked to hear that 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 to me felt like the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, we'll find out for sure. As Chris Terrian will join us. In about uh, 18 minutes, Doug McLean also in on his regularly slotted Friday. We'll get his thoughts on Chuck Fletcher. Tampa Bay struggles or Tampa Bay's newfound muscle as they've gone to another level with their brawling these days. I want to tell you guys more about that. I wrote about it today. So whenever you're ready for me, you tell me. We'll get that as well. And then the Edmonton Oilers. Coming in, ta- in town on an all-time high, Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now, will join us to get us ready for what should be a very fun Saturday night in Toronto where McDavid comes into town. Does he hit 70 goals? Does he get a few Saturday night? We'll get all of that out of Bob. Uh, in the meantime, the Leafs on the ice for the first time for how long, Sammy? Uh-oh, did I screw it up? For the first time since returning from their five-game road trip. Yeah, no, you didn't screw up. Okay, good. I was reading <laughs> back. I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. I know it's a natural feeling what for you. Done? Johnny, journalist. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, and got to be honest with you, I'm like, okay, how many storylines can we throw around today coming off on a Friday and for that reason where they haven't even practiced and yet. Oh, we got storylines. It just kind of writes itself. With the, 
the new look Toronto Maple Leafs, i.e. not faces, but lineup. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest with you, never saw this lineup on a Saturday night after a very good win against New Jersey. This is the, the, the last lineup I probably so, would have thought I'd see so, going into Saturday night. You want to rifle them off there, Sammy? Well... So there's a few things because this was before Keith spoke that I that this was the lineups that people were tweeting out, but they are going to eleven and seven tomorrow night again, which, which I we all hate, despise every single person involved in this show. Sis Boomba hates it, Randeo hates it, I hate it. <laughs> My mom's Lord not into it. it. Yeah, everyone I talk to hates it. <laughs> I feel like they even hate it. Like remember, Keith was like, ah, I don't love it. Yeah, that was the first thing he said about it. So, but they want to get all these D in. So. I, at first, I saw Simmons involved, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, they're really searching for something. But he's just placeholder. They're just keeping him involved, I guess, in the lineup. So I guess he won't be involved. But they're going to put they're gonna put Gustafson in. You know, they got, they're sticking with Laverty, Nylander, and Yarncroc together because they like the way that looked. They want Tavares and Bunting to play together. Like, I got to tell you, boys. Yeah. It's just, you're doing too much for me. Like, it's just, can we just play a normal hockey lineup with some lines here. And, like, I know you're trying to keep people involved and all this, but, like, you weren't really th- looking forward to keeping Rasmus Sandin involved. And now that you got another guy, you want to keep him involved? Like, I I don't know. It's just really weird what they're doing with the lineups. I don't understand. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. Yet, I don't. I'm, I'm not arriving there. I, middle of March. Closing I don't on, understand it, bro. Closing in on middle of March. Can we just have some sense of... Pretend playoffs are starting tonight. What would it look like? You know, like, if, I, if I'm if i Keith, that's got to be the thought. Like, what's the best lineup we can create out of this? Are we under the impression that Bunting and Tavares are on the third line here? Or are we just Are we just married to the fact that there is no one, two, or three? Well, we know one. Yeah, we know one. We don't know two or three. So Tavares and Bunting, they don't have a set winger on the um, right side as of right now, last so we saw. Keith talked about it. We should li- listen yeah, to Keith on 11 and 7, and, and we'll uh, go from there, okay? Mm-hmm. Let her rip. I mean, it certainly it demands more of, of the coaching staff and the players in terms of you making a lot more decisions in terms of who's going to play with who, who, you know, what the right matchups are and who to get with the, with different people. But you're also monitoring energy levels, you know, a lot more than you would be in a normal game when you're rolling four lines. It's generally just because of the pace and the rhythm of the line changes, you have a good sense of who's going to be ready and who's not. And uh, 11 and seven, you're, you're a little more in flux there and you are trying to keep some lines intact. So some players aren't as available because you do want to have some continuity. Um, so that's just on me to manage that and for the players to show some patience with it. But I do think there's some good opportunities there as well. Like obviously, look at it, you know, Tavares and Bunting and the way you've got things lined up because I do like the, the Lafferty group. I would like to continue with those guys playing together and try to build on what they did the other night. But, uh, you know, it gives me some real opportunity opportunity to play around with Tavares and Bunting there and that pairing and, and who I can play with them and see how that uh, goes for us because I do think we've gotten some real good shifts from Camp and Achari and, and Aston Reese. So. Okay, I don't know what the hell he just said. I'm, I'm thinking it through as he's talking about it. So he um, he, 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 he really liked Nylander Lafferty Yarn Croc and he okay. wants to see him again, right? That's fine. But here's my question. If he likes it, likes it, could he see that as a third line for them? Keep Tavares and O'Reilly as a second line 
with someone. And, you know, that's a pretty good third line, right? If, if you get put Willie on it there, I don't know. Maybe you want to see that. I am curious about the idea that he said. Is there a world where you see Kerfoot starting game one with Matthews? There is a world. It's not one I want to live in. <laughs> that's the world I one day don't want to live in. Um, but yeah, he said there's some guys that will be less available because you do want some continuity. So his point is he's going to have a couple of lines that he wants to keep solid and he's going to be using the other lines then to kind of shuffle. sounds like they're going with three forward lines essentially, and they'll be shuffling guys through assuming that means the Kerfoot spot is available for looks from other guys, bunting included, maybe Tavares at times. I don't know. I think it's, it's just, just as over, Sammy said, overthinking. Doing too much. I think it's just overthinking. And I know the game's changed over the years, but I don't think what's changed is is players coming into the the dressing room going, "Oh my god, can you just leave us alone for five minutes? Can you just yeah?" Like this is middle of March. You've got maroon. Belmar and Corey Perry on the other side that have been there together all year and know exactly their roles. They, they're, they're just, they're locked in mm-hmm. and you're treating now the, the last 18 games, like you're starting game one in yeah. the regular season. Yeah. I think when you have massive turnover like this, you know, there is some figuring how you want it to look. Obviously the, necessary caveat to all this is the two injuries make it really hard. Like O'Reilly being out and Tavares being or missing a game. So just O'Reilly makes it very hard. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. No, 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 not one guy. Well, you didn't minus anything off your roster. Really, not in those trades. one guy should change Blank. this yeah. whole thing. It should, should not be turned upside down for one player. So it's the D, though, that came in that are turning this upside down. It's because they want seven in more than anything, it feels like, right? Correct. Would you like to hear Sheldon talk about that? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, what a producer. We've got a lot of explaining to do, Lucy. Yeah, I, th- I think it's less about finding who works best with, with whom. It's more about just keeping the, you know, keeping the guys involved, specific to the defense, you know, uh, because we're healthy back there and, you know, with – Shen in the early in the early part of that road trip there you have eight um you know with with the seven here now plus and plus Timmins who comes in as our eighth now there's a lot of guys there to manage and you got Gustafson who is you know he was thriving in Washington he was playing a ton and and uh, running their power play and you know lots of points and feeling really good about his season and then and then it's been tougher for him coming here and now he's playing behind lots of guys and trying to find ways to keep him involved and keep him working in because I do think he offers uh, our group some some things not unlike what Sandine brought us in terms of ability to move the puck and help us on the breakout help us in the offensive zone help us on the power play uh, so yeah, I think it is important that we keep him involved and, and for right now it's in the 11 and 7 mix but uh, <laughs> but he doesn't care if they play well. He's just got to keep everybody in the mix. Yeah. You know, I have some sympathy for the idea that you tell everyone and the team agrees you need 8D, you need however many D, and then you get 8D, and these guys are like, hey, we're pretty good. Like, I'm not watching forever, so they want these guys to play. But it's tough. By the way, him talking about Gustafson feeling good in Washington, 
don't know if you saw my tweet. I think you may have retweeted earlier, Sammy, but Sandine played 30 minutes last night. I saw that. 30 minutes. And so this guy had been in the playoffs. Like, what the <laughs> I know. So the point about Gustafson had been, you know, going along well and playing lots in Washington. Have you seen the decor? Like you would expect a guy when they don't have anyone behind him to play a lot. So I'm sorry for Gustafson that it's harder now on a, the fourth best team in the NHL, but I think he would have some understanding if he were to be healthied fairly regularly. No. Okay. Like I, I can think of two right off the bat players. I'd rather have Morgan Riley with. I can't think of too many. I would not rather have him with. Than is he Gustafson. with him though? Is he, you? He's drawn up there with him. Yeah. All I see is, uh, I, I do see Gustafson and Riley. Yeah. According to the lines today. Yeah. I, right side. Nightmare. Left shot. Not known for his own zone. Oh, he's known for it. <laughs> <laughs> Just not in the way you want him yeah, to be known for he's it. He's infamous. Okay. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand this one. Lilligren to me. Or Brody right now to help him out. So I put on Twitter today, you know, people are complaining about Kerfoot playing with Matthews and Marner. Hi, I'm people. Hi there, people. And you, I think our boy Jake Beliefs tweeted something to the effect that like Fraser McLaren had a higher points per 60, 60 than Kerfoot does. Uh, yes. So the question is coaches who fall in love with a player and play them to a degree where you think the team would just be better off if they took that player away from the coach. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Kerfoot God bless you. Thank you. I don't know if Kerfoot is that for Keith exactly. But can you think of any guys that, you know, of this throughout history? I, I put it in my Twitter feed. The amount of responses are unbelievable for people saying, Yeah, this coach just fell in love with this guy. A lot of Sutter and Lucic, you know, where you might be better off if you didn't have a guy in the lineup. Babs. Babs. Who are we talking about? Just if is there any coaches that you can think about? Yes. To fall in love with one player yes. to a degree where it hurts their lineup. Always. You go, okay, like enough of that guy. Yeah. And Kerfoot has become that here for the Leafs. Okay. Has he? Is he not? Yes. Yeah. But again, uh, beggars can't be choosers when you look at that left wing side. No. But, I mean, the decision to go to 7D, let's just say for one second that. You don't move Sandine for Gustafson. Is there any world that you would have seen now Sheldon go to 7D with Sandine in the lineup? No, because the relationships was no good in my outside view. Yeah. They're, they're trying to make these new guys, give and, them a chance. And, and to Gustafson, you 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 fell in love with Gustafson so fast. What, what are you getting out of Gus, Gustafson? They're doing the thing they always do. Right. What we talked about yesterday with Nyes. What we talked about with, like, listen, I know he's, he's like not, us. He, I know he's not playing on the top line or playing 25 minutes a night or whatever. It's not the same situation as playing on the top line. But a guy that comes in here and is not one of your best six guys, pretty clearly, right? There's, they have six guys that are ahead yes. of him. Yes. Probably seven with Luke Shen, who is not available because of still baby-related reasons. They're playing him for the sake of playing them to make them feel welcome and get them in the mix and get them in the mix. It's like, well, it's frustrating to me that they're doing this. Yeah. 
Shen's not available. Hey, we, no, he's still in Vancouver. Apparently, l- let's let's uh, listen to what Sheldon had to say about uh, Luke Shen. No update other than to say that he's still he's still home in, in Vancouver there you with go. his wife, and nothing's changed uh, there. They're still on baby watch, and you know it's it's a difficult situation in terms of in terms of. Uh, him and joining the team and such because it's so far away and and uh, it's so important that he's there for his family so it's it's a tricky one to navigate here but obviously what's most important is that he's there for his wife and his family and we're, su- we're in full support of that he's remaining on the ice and and staying ready and such and and once there's some movement there then we'll rejoin the team yeah that's hard too i mean it's hard as is this time of year getting traded and uprooting. Yeah. Now he's got, Luke's got to deal with that. Yeah. Right. That's people got to remember. That's not, yeah, not an easy thing to do. And like, maybe it's a good thing for an older guy like Luke have a little bit of rest here at this time of year before a grueling playoff battle. But the, the distance is a good point. Like you can't put your wife on a plane and bring her out here at that point. You're not going to drive across the country. You can't. You just kind of have to be there. So here's what it is on that one. And, I mean, hey, what would they do if he was here? Play eight? I mean, he can't, he can't get in anyway. Works for him just fine right now. All right. Uh, we got Keith on Austin Matthews, or you want to sit on that one? Well, I mean, it's just he's talking about how he thought he looked hurt against Vancouver, and, you know, he thought he looked better against. It's, a, it's an interesting clip, and he mentions Kerfoot in it, so I want to play it. So okay. we'll play it quickly before Literally. we get to Bundy. Just from me watching, I think it was very clear it was impacting and affecting his skating in Vancouver in particular. I, I felt in New Jersey, in fact, uh, he looked to be skating as well as he skied in a long time. And I think you know, it's not necessarily even because of the, the the leg or the shot block or anything like that, but more so just the way the game went. Uh, his line came out of their own zone and through the neutral zone with a lot of speed. Uh, and I think that's part of what Kerfoot brings to that group is his ability to make a play and then break out and get us through the neutral zone and get Austin skating. Uh, and I thought he was flying uh, through the through the neutral zone. So I, I had sort of forgotten about the fact that he was nursing something like that. But I do know um, from some experience that those things do take some time to, to, to really go away, but uh, didn't seem to be affecting his ability to really push the pace the other night. Kerfoot. Drives him through the neutral zone and makes him fly up the so, ice. To me, he's he just put that in there just to like justify himself. <laughs> he's like, oh, you see, he's like, <laughs> Austin was so hurt, and the only thing that could fix him, it's like the like, seal. It's like Fle- the, no, foot. It's, it's like uh, <laughs> you know, you love Will Ferrell, Kipper. It's like uh, Saturday Night Live. More cowbell. Yeah. More cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> ding, More ding, 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 yeah. ding. Oh, Solution. my God. Yeah, there's no question that was uh, manipulated, that comment, <laughs> yeah. for the sole purpose. He's feeling He's it. like, I know I'm going to hear about this, but, you know, he can't say, what do you want me to do, guys? What do you want me to do? Like, Anyone else? It's So who, who is that then? Yarn Croc? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yarn Croc would make you happier with Matthews and Marner. Yep. Matthew Nice. <laughs> Matthew <laughs> Nice. Matthew <laughs> Nice. Bring, bring us the ball. Okay, what's the deal? Are they in the final four or something now? What's going I'm, on? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not keeping an eye. I'm trying not to really think about Matt Nice until it, it's here. I don't want to hype it up anymore. I don't want to think about it a whole lot until you he want him knocked out, though, right? Oh, yeah. I want I'm Go whoever Minnesota's playing. Oh, 100%. Let's see. Let's see when Minnesota, what are they, the Badgers, right? 
Uh, no, the Golden Gophers. All right. No, they're the Badgers. Oh, no, they're, don't question me. I played in their division. Why did I think they're the Badgers? <laughs> Wisconsin. Okay, so we got yeah. Chris Terrian yeah, in, in a minute or so. We're going to lock, uh, okay. lock down uh, Chris Terrian. He's going to have a wonderful crisp line so Sammy could play out the rest of the week. Oh there should be like a prize for a perfect week for Sammy. Like, you know, staying employed and then, or... And for sure, Doug McClain's going to come in and out on a on a few call uh, on a few but that's sentences. Doug Doug tends to hit an island in the Caribbean yes. for a phone call. Staffer's going to come up in the second hour. You know what we're going to do in the second hour? Oh God, we are going to we're going to we're going to put all the leaf numbers in my hat, and we're going to draw. And see if the lines, lines make more sense. Yes. <laughs> okay. We're going to do Sheldon's bingo bangle balls. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to handpick a line, oh, three lines, three and a half lines. Whatever they got. Whatever they got. And we're going to see if our line comes up better than his for tomorrow night. I'm worried for him. <laughs> there is a really good article once. Uh, or do we have Bundy before I go on? A, all right. All right. I wonder if Bundy picked lines out of a hat. Uh, that uh, ended up being better than torts this season. Let's welcome in him, Chris Terrian, former Flyer defenseman. Snow the goalie, a podcast that uh, is number one in our books. I don't know how it's doing on the charts, but uh, we're happy to have you on board here. Bundy, how are you, pal? Doing good, Chipper. Good to, good to be on with you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't uh, – this is uh, odd times again, uh, but there had to be somewhere to start to get things right again, and um, – uh, you know, they're just—it uh, was just too much, guys. I think from the, the I think the fans. I got I got to tip my hat a little bit to the fans here. I mean, this is something that started. I think after the, I know Torch was combo to the trade deadline. He didn't really find, uh, you know, too much humor in the fact that people were, you know, really drawing their ire towards Chuck for the the failure of the deadline and not getting rid of Van Dreams. Like again, I I don't want to just throw that one thing out. Um, but that seemed to be like there had to be a stick that broke the camel's back type of moment, and and that's for me might have been it. Um, you know, I, I mean, you ha- those are the type of things that you got to probably do work on long before. Uh, and even when you get up against it, I mean, you got a guy who's here. You're trying to dump some salary. Um, you know, you, you probably would take a stick bag for him in 2027 um, if you could get that. But you know, again, that was a, a product of the system at the end where, you know, big other teams look to, and in fairness to what Tort said, I mean, where can you use them? That's essentially what I said in plain English is you can't play him on the top two lines of a Stanley Cup contender, and you're sure the hell not going to play him on the bottom two. So where does he fit in your lineup? Um, you know, and, and then there was, um, you know, the other stuff just went on. I just think, guys, it's just been a body of work over the course of a few years, Um where the the Flyers fans, uh, and, and this has been an organization that looks and feels very kicked in the last three years, and um, there had and, and I'll be honest with you, they were looking for the fans were looking for a body somehow, yeah. some way, and I think it was a matter of them getting to Dave Scott and say, listen, we we got to do something here because you know when you start going to town halls, and it wouldn't be the first GM boot at one of these guys, but I mean, it was as loud, and, and then they started to bring the house down on just about everybody. And I think when you open your eyes to that, it's pretty pretty obvious what's going on, and that changes need to happen. Yeah, once the people who pay the bills, as in buy the tickets, uh, have spoken that publicly, it's it's not a good look. Do you think that, you know, I know that Fletcher had some bad luck with injuries. I think Nolan Patrick was hurt all the time, and they had uh, Ryan Ellis thing. He was hurt all the time. 
But, like, do you think this is ownership dictated where he would have wanted to rebuild it and start over, but instead was kind of forced into this half retool thing that never really took? That's a really, really good question. And I'm going to go with the no on that. Uh, that's that's yep. a, that is not no. I, I no, I don't think so. I think Chuck was pretty stubborn in his own right. Um, you know, again, I'd like to find out more. I think what happens after something like this goes down, you start to get a little bit more truths come out. You know, I'd like to know who advised them on these signings, uh, long-term deals. Uh, you know, he acquired injured guys. You know, you can blame the Nolan Patrick on Rod Hextall. You can say what you want about it. It didn't work out. It's it's super unfortunate it sets your franchise back in depth of years you can't make up for not for your number two pick not panning out but the other guys that they got here you know what guys we acquired injured players right um you know we we signed guys that were here a while that had some broken down parts of them to long-term contracts um this is a team to be just quite honest with you it's still like this is one thing that happened i said it was like an asteroid hitting the earth you know, the first thing that happens is the asteroid hitting the Earth, and then there's a million other things that happen in the months after. Yeah. You know, the, like that goes around it. So, you know, you know, how do you get out of the cap hell? How do you get out of, of improving your roster if you've got salary guys that nobody wants because either they're paid too much or they're injured, and you don't know the standing of their health? And they have a ton of those guys um, that you really hitched your wagons to. Um, you know, again, and I, I said it early in the year, guys, I don't, if some other guy was healthy or a couple more guys were healthy, I don't, still don't think it was going to make a difference at the end result of this team. This is not a team that was going to all of a sudden get two or three of those guys back, and next thing you know, they're third in the conference. It's just not happening. It wasn't realistic. I've been honest for three years since I saw the 2020 bubble game and the game seven, and even going back to the Giroux years, this they needed to tell their fans in probably 2019 at the latest. We're gonna we need to start rebuilding. We need to have the vision to rebuild. Be stand with us. I know maybe you're not expecting it. The retool would have been the easy thing to do. The hard thing is to say we're gonna rebuild and then go and execute the plan and do it right. But I don't think that there. I think there's. I think a little bit of what you said is true. They probably said, hey, listen, we need to make sure that you know the corporate side saying we end, you know, want to have the building filled. Uh, but I don't think that that was the case by the signings that, that Chuck made uh, and the long-term extended contracts that he gave to some guys that there's a lot of question marks to right now. We're talking to Chris Terrian, former De- Flyer defenseman who does a terrific job covering the Philadelphia Flyers. Big news today, Chuck Fletcher out as general manager, Danny Briere in as interim. I'm just wondering, Bundy, about the the timing and all of this. There was heat months ago to get rid of Chuck Fletcher. Now you're in under 18 games to go, maybe a handful at home. Why now a week after a trade deadline? Why not just hang on for a few more games and then just clean this up in the summertime? Is it is it uh, the, the, the trade deadline? Is it not getting rid of JVR was the driving nail here? I, I no, I think it was accumulation of stuff, Nick. Like I, I you know, we've talked now for a couple of years, and there's been a lot of weird stuff that have gone on. And you know, I think last year was kind of the eye opener to people. Where like, wow, like there's people are stop stopping coming. There's, the building was as empty as I'd seen it. Um, by the way, that side of things has changed. The business side has done a really great job, and where we're hoping the hockey side would come together it appears to be a disconnect to some degree, but at the same time, like at the end of the day, it's about the product on the ice. 
you know, all the other things are fine and dandy and everything and people's opinions and, and you know, visions of, oh, we should do this or that. But at the end of the day, this is a real hockey market that the fans are very passionate about, and they want to see a good team um, with, you know, with hopes of doing well in the spring, in the tournament. And that's really what, where they're at, and they haven't seen it. And I think the biggest frustration from where I look at the fans and even my end is, what was the plan here? Like, I don't know what the plan is. And, and I think that that frustration mounted, and I'm sure over the course of the last few days, the senior advisors, senior people, not the advisors, senior business side, have made the decision that they were going to move on from Chuck. Um, interestingly enough, though, if you're a, like a new guy coming in, like if you're a Briere and you're in there as an intern uh, to find out what you can do, this is really an odd stage to give a guy a, a glimpse because there's not. This is probably the deadest two months of the year in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, it's not, not trades. There's really, you know, maybe minor deals in the playoffs sometimes you, that sneak by you don't even pay attention to. But, um, you know, it's just a, a very, very interesting time for anybody to try to, to give a, a guy a glimpse because I'm not really sure that he can do anything uh, up until probably before the draft. And that's maybe the next time that the, the GM will, will have a look at uh, what to do with this club. Yeah, maybe that gives them a little bit of runway to get to know the names of the people who do things around there and figure out the whole job. And, and after that, though, I wonder what you think is going to happen in terms of what his interests are. Like John Tortorella is a very particular type of guy for a very particular type of GM. You know, is this someone that Danny Briere is also going to want to help run the organization? I should note, he's done a tremendous job. He's probably had them outperform their true talent. But I am curious to know what comes next for Torts. Yeah, well, that, see, guys, that's another part of it for me. Like, you know, when you, I didn't even get into Torts yet. Like, when they hired him last summer, I knew the team was below mediocre. And I knew that Torts would actually put them in a spot that was going to be the one of the worst in the league. Right. He was going to leave them about seventh or eighth left in the league, stuck right between 17 and 25. That's, that's again, a GM making a mistake. Why would you better your value of your team by the coach when the talent level doesn't dictate that? If you're going to tank, just be tanked all the way and be bad and just let, your, let the players take care of it themselves, like Chicago or Anaheim or Columbus. I don't think Columbus saw that made sure and not gotten Gaudreau in the summer to make sure they would have absolutely had that one pick. But, you know, again, those are all speculative stuff. Uh, but that was absolutely, Torch has done a good job here with this team. Too good. Not everybody likes perhaps the way he's done it, but he's done it in a way that, that he's done it his whole career, uh, and he's made the team better than they were supposed to be. Too good. He took him out of Connor Bedard. He did. He messed it up. Well, that's, there's people that would say that. And, again, I'm not one of those people that like to like live at the uh, you know, coin flip or percentages, but he certainly removed them from the equation of having a better chance. You know, when you know by December just how bad you are, you're kind of saying, you know, at that time, and you've got a, a four guys in a draft that apparently are, you know, really, really bona fide talents, you think to yourself, well, how do I get to that point? It's like the reverse of winning, except you can't do that in certain markets, and you sure the hell can't do that in Philadelphia. All right, pal. Well, listen, uh, I know it was short notice getting you on, but uh, it was great uh, getting some detail on uh, big, big news in in Philadelphia. And uh, this probably takes a lot of heat off the Comcast group, correct? I would think so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at least it gives them a little bit more runway. Because I will say it again, the experience of the games has been good this year. You know, I railed against them for a couple of years. Our guys on the thing did just from the, the changes. But it's been, it's been different. It's been a lot of fun at the games. There's been that relic, a little uh, touch to the past. But they've got to move into the future with a team 
that this city can be proud of. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are an important team in the National Hockey League, and when they're better, it makes for, I think, the product in the league to be better. They're just that valued of a franchise. Absolutely. Really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this, Chris Terrian. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good detail. Good energy. Good good interview. Um, what did you think? We haven't talked about uh, the replacing of Chuck Fletcher. Um, well, well, first not, of all, not in depth, anyway. I think Daniel Briere will fall exactly the way... Uh, Popular guy today, Kippy. I know. I'm going to shut it off. It's trade <laughs> deadline uh, every day. <laughs> Just can you guys remind me to put silent on before the show? <laughs> I like you don't have many jobs to do. And oh, by the way, Uh-oh. Chris Terrian kind of came in and out. I, I know, Kippy. I thought you were done, Kippy. I was. I am sweating. My palms right now are drenched. <laughs> uh, Daniel Breer will fall into Tommy Fitzgerald and Kevin Adams. Right, both of them kind of mm, don't really know much about them in this kind mm. of scope and we're going to dip our toe in the water with the interim no question he's he's going to be the guy interim makes me crazy like what would he have to do to not get the job the team is currently bad how does he do how does he show what what can he do to not become the actual gm so interim bothers me just give the guy the job um but i am curious about the torts thing not that i think he'll outright fire him torts has done a good job but like are they going to try to turn around and be good now they're going to try to be good next year yeah or are they going to try to lose, in which case they don't feel like Torts helps them because he has helped them? I don't know. That- yeah. I know he mentioned that it's 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 uh, it's going to be quiet two months here, but when when you need to f- alleviate money and, and work on deals, and uh, Kevin Hayes is a prime example, another $7 million guy that they tried to get rid of at the trade deadline, it's just too hard. But if you want to come back now and, and move him in the summer or get rid of that, you got to start putting the work in now. Mm-hmm. And you Hayes gotta... has a no trade that kicks in yes. this summer? I think so. Because yeah. if you're the Flyers, you want nothing to do with that Hayes contract now. He's what, what just is, where, where he is, is in his career arc. I think it's $7 JBR's million. JBR is done, right? He's at the end. Correct. But uh, I will Kevin Hayes is at $7 million. He is at that. And I know he okay, they, they, they put him on the all-star game this year, which was great for him and his family. And you love that, but he's. Yeah. He has uh, three seasons after this one. It's 7.14. Wow. So, and he's wow. 30 years old right now. And uh, I don't think he had the best season. Yeah. JVR's up. Hayes. What would you think before a team would look at Kevin Hayes? Hayes has 49 points in 64 games on a crummy team. It's pretty good. But it's you're 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 envisioning now. Can he help you win as a contending team? Yeah. So, but what is that like? How how much would you have to shave off that to, me, to bring he's him a, in? A Nick Felino type, you know, Four. without without the edge. Can you eat? Can um, you eat forty percent of that contract? Does Comcast want to pay three million bucks to someone for nothing? Probably not. But yeah, it might be better than having like him. You, Daniel Briere and his staff may need to make a hundred calls between now and the NHL draft. Well, and at the draft, they have, you know, eight picks or nine picks this year. So um, just like to welcome the people and fan 590 just joining us after the Blue Jays yes. game. 
after um, another blistering two and a half hour baseball game oh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Rob Manfred. Oh, it's, it's a lock now, eh? Two oh, and a yeah. half hours. Yesterday was two oh five, Kev. No. Yes. Oh, delightful. So yeah, welcome. They might, they might kick it back to a 16-second clock. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not trying to do what is, na- 90 what is, minutes. Uh, what's Sportsnet going to do every night in the summer with all that extra time? More Kipper and Bourne reruns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was talking about the... Uh, More Ken and Ivanka. There, there it is. There More go. Ken and Ivanka. But, sure that's in their contract. But it is a lot for the Philadelphia Flyers to try to figure out what comes next. Like, if I was... This roster, boys, it is lean. Oh, is I'm it tra- lean? I don't know how you don't trade Konechny. I don't know how, at the deadline, I don't, I don't know how you don't trade... J- I know you think JVR stinks, but get a, get a sixth, get a fifth, get something. Like, you don't think there's anyone that will give anything But to your point, he also didn't trade Kevin Hayes. He yeah. also didn't trade Konechny. Like trade them all. Guys. Yeah. You suck. You're going nowhere. And those guys are too old. <laughs> Like, by the time you're good. Can that market withstand two years of just being really bad? Two more years of being really bad? They also, they have no contracts that are that, you know, significant up front aside from Hayes. Like, Farabee makes $5 million. After that, the next highest deal is three mil up front. It's on the back end where they've got issues. They're paying Ristolainen 5.1 oh, until 27. Why did they do D'Angelo's that? D'Angelo's making five sheets. Sanheim makes 6.2. A disaster but it trade. Was, I know you're not an analytics guy, but I can't remember a time when the analytics community so clearly came together and said, that's the worst deal we've ever seen. He was, by some metrics, one of the worst defenders at the time of the deal, and they gave him $30 million. Why anyway. does Joel Farabee make $5 million until 27, 28? So you don't have anyone. You talk yourself into people. Sean Couturier, like, where is that guy? He also is on a new deal, is he not? And he's got, like, multiple back he's, issues. He's on oh, 7.7. Yes, I, I miss some me, guys that, that were on. He's what? making, yeah, 7.75 until 2028. Oh! <laughs> you don't like but that they, one? They could, they, Atkinson's is, hurt. Konechny's hurt Is right he now. scheduled to come back and... and and play again, or is Why it? Why would a, he? What's he come, coming back for? Get healthy. Actually, no. I'm just saying, is is a career ending? Oh, uh, oh I don't know. About a that. situation sure here is his career in jeopardy with uh, um, multiple uh, back issues. I guess. Back <laughs> he is actually an excellent hockey player. Great when oh, he's healthy. No question. He's, re- he's really him. good. He seems like someone Tampa would have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ellis also makes 6.25 until 2027. Another bad he's, back, I think. He's maybe career ending. Why? I just, I am confounded by this cat friendly page. It's the worst. Looking at it. It's mess outside I, of the Canucks. I don't like any of their <laughs> players and they have no cap space. <laughs> I don't get That's it. Montreal. Montreal is up against the cap with their terrible. Yeah. But at least they're. Yeah. Doing it the right they're thing. They're sucking. They're clearly purpose. got a direction. Yeah. So. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get out, uh, and we'll bring back Doug McLean for his uh, segment. Also, uh, in the second hour, we're going to take some uh, tweets or some yeah, YouTube text questions. questions. Five ninety five ninety. Text us there. And before we go to break, since we're back on Sportsnet five ninety, the fan, time for some rivalry train action. Ooh, boys. big big bar set yesterday to clear. Oh boy, here we go now. Molson Canadian wants to give you and a friend the ultimate hockey fan experience through their Molson Canadian rivalry train contest. This includes a round-trip train from Toronto to Ottawa to go see your Leafs take on the Sens on April 1st, with food and beverage included at the game, as well as overnight hotel accommodation. 
To enter, all you have to do is listen to today's code word and then text it to 59590. Today's code word is Ottawa. Text Ottawa to 59590 right now for your chance to win. This is your last chance to enter, so be sure to text in Ottawa to 59590 right now. You must be at least 19 years of age in Ontario to enter. Didn't you get a guy begging you for the... The, no. the mystery word. Yeah, got a couple of DMs. Got, like, I swear to God, I've been listening since 3 p.m. You, you know, that read is a little bit like uh, Augusta National in that once you get through the early part, I think you're okay. Like uh, <laughs> like round trip train comes early. And if you get through <laughs> round trip train, that's the fourth hole. I think you're it's it's easier after I just got Once I get to the the text, it's like I'm on 13. I'm <laughs> making an eagle. <laughs> got a couple of, although, you can get a couple back there. Although they lengthened. The dumbest 13. thing I've ever heard. It's like, oh, Who you wants know, to see Tiger going for it in two? It's, it's the most exciting shot in the history of golf. Let's make it a layup. That's what everybody wants. I hope that doesn't happen. Right, well. Okay, let's take a quick break. Doug McLean, when we come back, we'll get his thoughts on 11-7 and 7 out of the Toronto Maple Leafs and how many times he did that in his career. Doug McLean and more Real Kipper and Born after these words. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Fridays like this hurt even more knowing where our next guest is. He's Closer not, to that than that. He's not far off the players in where Jacksonville. Yeah, and I'm really hoping it's about it's about 62 and overcast and cold. That sounds great to me. Where our next guest is, but it's miserable up here. Snowing, cold. Come on, Mac. Tell me you're you're basking in terrible weather, please. It's funny you say that because I just barely turned the air conditioner up a little higher. It's so damn hot here. Now, there you it go. is so hot. I was, I played, the, I told you I played in that tournament last week or the other day. It was five hours. It was so hot. But I came in second. We got second place, so it made it feel a little cooler when I was getting my gifts. <laughs> you're, you're having sort of a uh, athletic renaissance these days, Doug, between pickleball and golf and yoga and all this, aren't you? Well, you know what? I figured out today why I do this show. It just hit me. <laughs> I was reading I was reading a study, a, Har- a Harvard study on retirement, and they said the, the number one thing in retirement that you miss, it's not the money, it's not the work, it's the relationships you had at work that you really desperately miss. And I thought, that's why I'm doing this damn show. I heard a lot of relationships improved at Sportsnet once you left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They improved so much, even the boss left. How's, how is the relationship with the Philadelphia Flyers? Have you, have you ever seen a... a a general manager get fired a week after a, a trade deadline. That's a that's a new one for me. But you know what? When you get you know you're in trouble when you get booed at the season ticket renewal party. 
when they introduce to you. You know, you know things aren't that good. I remember when I was sitting in the press box looking down and I saw two guys on our glass seats, which were expensive seats in Columbus, with bags on their head that I was in trouble. <laughs> so it's very similar than when you get booed at a season ticket renewal uh, function. So it's been coming, and it's too bad. I mean, but, you know, you, you go through a trade deadline, and then you make the change. I mean, I guess you might as well wait till the end of the year. But I, obviously, the criticism is, you know, the, they've been after Chuck for a year or more in Philly. They're a tough group. They're a tough group. The fans are tough there. And, and it's been a horrible, a horrible four-year run for them. It really has. And how much of that do you attribute to luck versus just him not doing a great job? They've certainly had their share of injuries over that time. Has it just been bad luck? Well, I don't, you know, I mean, I think they, they went with the idea first that they were going to retool, which is the in vogue rule of word. And then I think he got halfway through the retool and then he decides they've got to rebuild. And in the meantime, you hired Tortorella, like, I'm not sure he's the guy you want for a rebuild with patience. So, you know, what? I think he got caught in between there. And, uh, you know, is it bad luck? Anytime you get fired, it's a little bit of bad luck. And it, it's a, hey, guys, it's a tough, it's a tough gig. It really is a tough gig. I'm telling you. But I've told you guys all along, and nobody ever believes me on this. I watched a game last night, Boston Bruins and Edmonton Oilers. The Boston Bruins have 12 of their own draft picks in their lineup, and the Edmonton Oilers have 10 of their own draft picks in the lineup. And to me, Edmonton's got to be considered a favorite in the West with the way teams are playing out there because they haven't been very good the West, and Boston looks like they could be a favorite. I mean, it, it, and these teams that keep trading away their picks, like what did Chuck give up to get D'Angelo when it was a useless pickup? Why would you even go there? And then I look and, and see what the kid did in Washington last night with the Leafs. Why do you even go there? By the way, Kip, uh, Howard Berger accused you of being a homer today. <laughs> Throw away end of thought note. <laughs> see, that's why it's off the rails Friday. When you can go from one thought to, oh, by the way, Howard Berger threw me under uh, the bus. Well, you know what the good thing is? He lists everybody that got fired at Sportsnet, and he, he keeps leaving my name up. So that's how much he's forgot about me. <laughs> oh, you're a beauty. Um, getting it back on the rails here for a second. When you think about guys like Tom Fitzgerald coming in and Kevin Adams in Buffalo and now Daniel Briere, it's one thing to come in and, you know, get acclimated and, and get your feet wet. And it's another one to have a guy like Tortorella right beside you. I mean, how big of a challenge is it for Daniel Briere to know that, uh, I mean, even if I wanted to get rid of this guy, I, I, I don't think I have that power. Well, you know, and I, I, I you know, I, I've heard that Briere will probably be the guy that, that gets the job. He's been, you know, he's been in the organization for a long time and he's been, you know, looks like he's been groomed for this, this role. So, you know, if he wants it, I hope he gets a chance at it. He's a good always been a good he's been a good player but also a pretty good guy so you know i i, I don't know i mean tortorella is funny i i think the one thing i don't know that you can ever say that tortorella is not a loyal guy i i've never i know i've never heard a gm 
ever say that he wasn't a loyal guy. So I don't know, but it's just that his expectations that is at this stage in his career probably aren't to go through a rebuild. That's no. the only the only challenge that I can see there. I don't know? think it has to do with loyalty, but just the mere fact that Tortorella has so much power, much when I look at uh, Daryl Sutter in, in Calgary, and at times I'm sure between Daryl and uh, Brad Tree Living and now you know Daniel Briere to come in and say, okay, the shape of the team and what we want to look like and the players that you want to coach, it, it gets tougher when, when you have the clout of uh, a Tortorella or a Sutter to well, deal with. Well, the clout typically comes with contract and term of contract. And you can say that about Daryl Sutter because he's on a new three-year deal, apparently. And Trey Living's deal is expired or it's up the end of in June. Uh, Briere would come in with a new contract, which I suspect is a longer term than Tortorella's. Tortorella's at a stage. Why would you fight the GM at this stage of his career? It's probably his last job. I, I don't know that that's going to be a problem. I never heard Kekalainen ever had a problem with Tortorella or vice versa. So I, I don't see that being an issue. In but Philly. what about a philosophy of players, though, Mac? Great. Who you want, who well, you don't want, who you like, who you don't well, like. That, that that that's the challenge, and and sometimes that's tough. But that's the GM's job. That's not the coach's job. That's the GM's job and the hockey operations group. And that's that's always a battle between the coach and the GM, especially if the coach has too much power. But the job of the GM is to put the team together, sure with consultation with the coach. But it's the end of the day. It's got to be the GM's job listen scotty bowman every day in detroit in his first year with brian murray every day after practice brought a list of five names he wanted hired up to brian he wanted traded every day after <laughs> practice and the number one guy on the list every time was steve eiserman okay so you you know and and you know, you've, you've got to – coaches get high and low on players, and that's the, why the GM's role in player, you know, player acquisition has got to be in the GM's hands. Now, Stevie didn't get traded. Lucky, luckily for Scotty, he got to win a couple more Stanley Cups, you know. So. Well, you know, the coach has to deal with what the GM provides him. We're looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs today, and they're once again going 11 forwards and 70. Uh, Gustafson will be in. Um, and then that leaves a first line right now, Kerfoot with Matthews and Marner, um, Lafferty, Yarncroft, and Nylander. What are your thoughts on how the Leafs are deploying their lines here as they, uh, you know, in the lead-up to playoffs? Well, I mean, they're doing it because you know, because of the injury and a couple of injuries. That's the main reason why they're doing it. But I don't like the look of it. And to me, Gust, I don't, I don't get the Gustafson trade. I, I can't for the life of me figure that out. I've talked to people that have watched him play a lot this year, and they tell me he, he's been awful and that he can't really play. And I'm thinking, what was that move all about? You know, to give up on a young draft pick. By the way, they've gone from 10 draft picks, the Leafs, to now down to six or seven. So if, if my philosophy works out right, they don't win the cup. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but we'll see. Anyway, I, I, I don't get that move, and I, I'm not a Gustafson fan. 
So, and I'm not a certainly not a fan of Kerfoot on the first line. I mean, third line maybe, <laughs> but not the first line. Nylander, Lafferty, and Yarncroft had a, a good game against New Jersey. It looks like they're slotted as the second line, which leaves Bunting and Tavares floating a little bit here. Would Tavares have his Nick, nose? Nick, Nick, don't tell me that's the second line. That's a makeshift second line. That's got to be the third line you just named. Him. Seriously. No, no, it looks like it's uh, the second line. Yeah, well, it's the second line with but, but a number, but it's not a second line. I know you're a big Lafferty fan for whatever reason, but it's not a second line. Sorry. <laughs> would, would Tavares have some issues here if he gets bounced around a little bit? You know what I mean? Guys have pride. I mean, I, I watched his numbers, you know, when O'Reilly come in and he drops down like, what, four minutes a game almost? I mean, do you think do you think that doesn't piss him off? I got to believe it does. I mean, you know, he's an $11 million player and he's already behind Matthews and Marner for me anyway, but you know, to drop down that kind of minutes, I wouldn't think he'd be very happy about it. And you know what? He's been a good player for the Leafs, the Bears. I say what you want. He's been a good player for them. So, yeah, he wouldn't be happy. I mean, I know he's a team guy, but team guy ends when your ice time drops four or five minutes. If it goes up four or five minutes, you become a better team guy. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's that yeah. simple. So the immediate yeah. opposition for the Maple Leafs is uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have three wins in their last 10 games. They're punching everyone in the face. Um, it's kind of a different look lately out of the bolts. What are your thoughts on, I don't know, they're reeling a little bit. The Doug. brawlers. Yeah. Well, I, I told you last week I was nervous about their goaltending because it has not been very good. It, it really hasn't. I, everybody's raving about Cooper benching his, his superstars. Uh, I've never seen that that works very often for very long. Um, don't think that Kucherov and Point and Stamkos would not be pissed off about that. Um, you know, there's, there's some things aren't rosy there right now. It's the same as things aren't rosy in Colorado, you know? So what, what gives with these teams? I mean, they've got a short period of time to get ready to, for, for, you know, to go to a whole nother level at playoff time. So you don't like to be reeling this time of year. No doubt about it. doesn't really matter anyways for Tampa or even Toronto because I'm watching Sportsnet last night and everybody had the Edmonton Oilers versus the Boston Bruins for the Stanley Cup final. Oh, my God. I sent that tweet out last night. It was like unbelievable. I said, could this be a possible Stanley Cup final? But interesting. Who do you pick in the West? Like, I look at L.A. Kings. L.A. Kings are a pretty good hockey team right now. I see Deneau gets the 17th and 18th of the year last year, a valuable guy that, that went from Montreal there. They're a pretty good team right now. Uh, the Gabrikov's playing well on the blue line for them. I mean, Corpusalo's giving them some good goaltending. By the way, I pulled a fast one on Rimmer yesterday. I <laughs> Jeff Rimmer? Sent, I sent a note, and I said, Jeff, even Bruce doesn't want to play in Columbus. And he phones me and says, Bruce, what do you mean? Who? Who? Bruce who? Bruce who? I said, Bruce Springsteen canceled his concert last night at Nationwide Arena because he was sick. Oh, he was so upset about that. But anyway, that's, you know. COVID, I think. 
I don't know what it was, but he canceled in Columbus, and I thought, oh, my God, even he doesn't want to go there. But, I mean, look, got to fix that real fast because they're going to get Bedard, and that's my prediction, Bedard to Columbus, and then things will take off. Just watching last night, uh, and I'm watching Ekholm hammer a few guys on the on the blue line, and could – could one guy make that big of a difference, Mac, uh, for Edmonton? Because last night I, I'm like envisioning Edmonton playing that game without him, and man, he, he was that big of a difference maker for me. I, I think it's a it was a great move, and look, he's a, he's always been a real good player in Nashville, and Kenny has desperately needed that component. I had heard he was in in the Chikrin sweepstakes. And I thought, okay, that would be good as well. But I mean, to pick up Ekholm at this time of year to go with the young blue liners he's got there, I think it's a really good move for them. And yeah, it made a difference to their team. Their team played a tighter defensive game. I mean, they were they were good throughout that game last night. I don't get down to a 2 nothing lead, but they shut the neutral zone down really well last night. They were checking well. They were responsible. Skinner started off slow and comes back with a good, solid performance to end the game. So, hey, I look at the West, and I'm thinking, okay, L.A.'s playing pretty good. Um, I, Colorado's up and down. Edmonton's got the talent. How do you look by Edmonton? I know their goaltending is a major question mark. I get that. But who else in the West are you going to pick to come out of the West? Seriously. When I look at it, there's not much to pick from, is there? No. No, it's Edmonton and Colorado for me. Minnesota is on a roll yeah. here. The eight zero and two in the last ten, but they don't score. Yeah. So, they, they yeah they don't. But you know you're right on that. That's a thirteen. But I mean I'm thinking this is a pretty thin group. So yeah. I'm thinking watching Boston and them last night. Ooh, wow. And I mean who knows how far Boston's going? But they look pretty good and pretty deep. Although I love Montgomery's comments. We were totally outplayed. We're totally out checked. We're totally this and totally that. I'm thinking, what? You've only lost three games in regulation. Relax, for God's <laughs> sake. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe that. What goes on with these guys? You know, relax. You, You've lost three games in regulation all year. Do you worry and about it, their goalies at all having no experience? Allmark has two playoff games, uh, both losses in his career. Well, I mean, I said that about Jack Campbell when he came to Toronto, so I guess I have to say it about uh, Linus. But, I mean, I'm shocked at how good that goaltending's been. I would have yeah. thought that was a concern. Olmark has been lights out all year. Hardly have had, hardly has had a bad game. So it's hard to go against him. But I, I, the experience is something you can't look past. I looked at it with Jack Campbell a couple of years ago. We've said it about Freddie Anderson for years. Although he's had some good experience, but always get hurt, so it'll you know it, it, it's that's there's big tests all over the league when it comes to that. Big big tests on goaltending. Listen, Toronto uh, tomorrow night, Toronto and Edmonton, uh, similar scenarios with their with uh, unproven goaltenders this time of year. And I I didn't like the first two goals Skinner let in last night, and it could have been down three nothing if it wasn't for a, yeah. a an offside yeah. by a whisker. Yeah, so. But yeah, he, he did bounce back. He he came. Yeah. He showed up when when the game was still on the line. And he's done that a lot for them this year. He he's bounced back a lot. I mean, from taking the number one job, then Campbell gets a little bit hot. I mean, I that's just still a big question mark. I you know, but if, if you're looking at them in L.A., 
there's still a question mark with that. Mark andre Fleury in Minnesota. You've got to say there's a question mark there as well. He's been up and down in his last number of years, and especially at playoff time. So there's questions on the West and the goaltending all the way around. And then you say Boston's inexperienced. You know, Vasilevsky uh, it looks like the best of anybody still. And then you go to Carolina and you say, what about their goaltending? You're just not 100% sure about their goaltending. Jersey, are you sure about their goaltending? I mean, it's all around. I love Jersey's team with 11 draft picks on it, by the way. And I love how they play, and I love the speed they play. But their goaltending's a question mark as well. How big was Ottawa's win last night against Seattle? Yeah, it was a a huge win. And now, you know, now they've got to go with the two kids in goal, essentially, for the rest of the season. And, you know, they're lucky that their core group, I'll, I'll tell you what, this Stutzel, this Stutzel is is something else. I saw Mark Mathot make a comment uh, the other day. Mark, by the way, a draft pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets, a six-round <laughs> pick, a great player and a great kid, makes a comment he'd rather have Stutzel and Matthews. <laughs> oh, my God, did he get hammered by Leaf fans. But oh. you know what? Stutzel turned out, we talked about him the other day, Stutzel and Kachuk, you talk about two great great young talented players i mean really it's hard to believe how good they've become and how important they've become and that group of players you know uh, now if they just do as i told you put uh, red kelly jr up on the wing they'd be better but we know what that means now (laughs) no but they're you know what ottawa's a fun team to watch nick they really are yeah they're a fun team to watch and you know what i i hope the kids can uh can you know keep them in the mix and then i look at what a what about pittsburgh i was texting with berkey last night before the game and i thought oh man you need a win tonight and and then they lose it in overtime blow a 3-1 lead so there's so many teams around the league that are just giving it up at the wrong times you know all right well listen i thought your golf game has improved so much i'd actually see you on tv playing in the players right now you know what? I, I had an 81 on Sunday, and I and I made $4. <laughs> <laughs> Is that gas money for the RV? <laughs> no, no gas money. It's away right now. Anyway, lots of fun. No, it's good. It's so uh, nice talking to you guys. And, again, it's, I really appreciate the relationship building. <laughs> us, too. It's the camaraderie among friends that means so much to us, Doug. Oh, you read that Harvard study. It's really, really important. It's really important in, re- in your retirement years. So I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Well, listen, uh, seems to be working for you. Not us at times <laughs> during this segment, but it's working for you. <laughs> and you know what? Howard Berger was right, by the way. You caved to the Leafs. You caved. <laughs> like the rest of the Toronto media, you caved. All right. Good way to leave okay. the segment. Doug McLean, former NHL president, GM, Head coach and uh, ball buster. Yeah. I'd say there's a lot of Leafs fans out there who disagree with Doug that you've caved. Yeah, I don't know if uh, yeah. if Howard kind of <laughs> read my article correctly. Listen, I wasn't saying that Austin's the second best player in the world now. We've had this conversation all season long. He needs to get back to that place. When he is at the top of his game, it's him and McDavid, is it not? He just won all the trophies. I don't think it's ridiculous to imply okay. he's in the handful of people. Kipper, Berger must be just a reader and not a listener, because if he listened to the show, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
Calling you a whore. Think he's is... the second best player on the team. <laughs> <laughs> Howard did imply that whoever hired me at the Toronto Star should get a raise, though. Oh, so Howard's yeah. in my good books. I think we should all just get a raise. It's just a quick Players' Championship update, if I may. Please. Um, it's getting spicy. The leader was Chad Ramey at one point. I didn't never heard of him. Made a quad on 17. Hold on, hold on. Before you go on, can you, when we, when we looked up at the board and he was at minus nine, do you remember what minus I told 10. you? Minus was, 10. Yeah. Do you remember what I told you? Yeah, he said it wasn't going to last long. And what's he at now? He's plus three on the day. He made a quad on 17. So, Ooh. yeah. You know, this, you start to get towards the weekend and you see yourself three up on real mm-hmm. big names. The pressure, Ooh. eh? So, <laughs> Uh, but, He's acting like an NHL goalie. But the most exciting part of this now yes. is Adam Svensson, good Canadian boy, has now vaulted himself into second Whoa. place here. He's at seven under, and Adam so Hadwin many. has a kick in to go to four under. So, and uh, Taylor Pendrith also floating around at four under. So, lots of Canadian content at the Players Championship this weekend. Could be a lot of fun for Canadian golf, and you know, a lot like the Carter effect for basketball in Canada. This is the Weir effect in Canada with all these yeah, good Canadian yeah, the players. Next wave. So exciting! Christian Gazuntite, whatever his name is, like back channel way of promoting your golf program. No, I didn't even mention it. Golf but, guys, yeah, golf guys. Saturday I host the golf show at eight a.m. Nine a.m. Nine a.m. Nine a.m. But it doesn't start until the Masters officially. But me and Gunnar are going to do a pod on Monday, and if it's a Canadian that wins the Players Championship, it'll be a rather we're fire going up live. Pod. Yeah. Pod. That's a Excellent plug. Thank you. I wasn't even trying to. I'm just pretty I'm excited for you. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Anyways, okay. we should go. We're going to take a quick break. Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now. They come in hot. Red hot. Is that not a good thing for the Leafs? Whatever. It'll be fun, though. <laughs> yeah, it's not they, a be-all, end-all game. No, it's great. It's great. They need to play good teams. They need to see what they got here. Promise me if, uh, Sammy, if... Edmonton does have their way with the Leafs Saturday night. You're not going to come in Monday morning with your, your like tongue dragging. No, I'll be fine. People love the podcast when the Leafs, Leafs disappoint them. Yeah, it's like we get like, <laughs> double the viewers in the Leafs. <laughs> what should I be mad at? Yeah. All right, yeah, we got Bob coming up after the break. Hey, listen, if you're enjoying it, give us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. Hit the like button for us on a Friday off the rails. We're back after these words. Real Kipper and Born. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Hockey Night in Canada. Must watch TV Saturday as the Edmonton Oilers come to town to play against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now joining us, Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now. Does a terrific job as a panelist on the NHL on Rogers Regional Broadcast. Stop. Are you, are you just going to just take the rest of the season off and then just join up the Oilers when they play in the final against the Boston Bruins? Is that the game plan? <laughs> Nick, I think you might be getting a little ahead of yourself. Oh, no, no, no. I watched Sportsnet last night. It, it It's a done deal. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Uh, sometimes the best laid plans, you know how that works. I mean, if you had told me last year in game two against Calgary when it was 3-1 for the Flames after they'd won 9-6 in game one that Edmonton was going to win four straight games, uh, I would have told you I had some swampland in uh, in Alberta, in northern Alberta, uh, where it's about minus 23 right now. So uh, anything can happen, you know. I, I like you know you guys are sitting here in Maple Leaf country, 
you guys are in the pool of death. Like you got a tough division to run the gauntlet. Your general manager went up. He he made significant, I think, significant uh, additions and stepped up. And but at the end of the day, uh, if the other team gets better goaltending, or you have a couple guys having out of this world experience like Connor and Leon did against Calgary last year, anything can happen. So it was a good win in Boston. Uh, the, it was a good one because, uh, number one, the way Skinner bounced back from a, just a real tough first period. I, I love the medal that he showed. And, you know, your listeners get that. Uh, you know, character isn't defined uh, by what you do when things are going good. It's how you handle adversity. And he had some adversity last night against a good team. The guy is the proverbial, you know, cool as a cucumber. His teammates love him. Uh, you know, Connor told us after the game, he's not surprised. Like, this, and this guy is a drafted. I, I saw this guy play when he was you know, 13 with the Southside Athletic Club, which is the same team I played for 35 years earlier. So, uh, you know, they've, they've got, I don't know if they got, you know, a stone cold mortal walk, number one goaltender, top five in the league, but they got a guy that they believe in right now. They got to get Jack Campbell going right. Their defense is vastly improved. And uh, they do have the top dogs, but they have way better support scoring this year than they've had in the past. Way better support scoring, and they get Matthias Eckholm at the deadline, which seems to slot all the D into better positions. What has the addition of Eckholm done for the chances of this Oilers group? Well, it's done a lot, and Justin, it was a hard trade to make. Like, you know, Ken Holland has not been a guy that's been super active at the trade deadline. His last, I looked at it, his last big-time move that he made was getting Brad Stewart back in 08. You know, the last three years in Detroit, he sold players off. The year before that, they did nothing. At the deadline, when they were the last year, they were in the playoffs. The first three years in Edmonton, he made smaller moves. But Nick will appreciate the Oilers had a prospect named Reed Schaefer. He's probably the closest player to Tanner Janelle out of the Western League in the last 15 years. Um, that was a big player to lose. You know, they, I think the Oilers stole a guy there late in the draft. I think he's going to play. I know he didn't kill it in the World Juniors, not his game. And they gave up a number one. And Barry was a very popular player. But Eckholm was the right player for Edmonton. He just, he changes, it, it, you know, when they put Eckholm and Darren in the first PK unit, now Darnell and Cody Cease here in the second PK unit instead of being in the first unit. It eases the workload on Darnell. Darnell can play with a little bit more edge because, he, he, you know, he's got another guy that can play 20-plus minutes on defense. And so Darnell can keep a couple guys a little bit more honest out on the ice. He's totally settled down Evan Bouchard, who's, who's going to be a real good offensive defenseman. So... I mean, you nailed it, Justin. It just slotted everybody in the perfect spot. So you slot everybody in the perfect slot. You go into Boston. You do something that they've rarely done before, and that's lose. And they haven't done it, uh, g- giving up a first goal or going into the third uh, with a lead. And I'm just wondering now, not that you overplay one game stuff, but wh- where is, like... Where, where where does this stand, this win against Boston, the way they did it in terms of, I don't know what the right word is, validating this team as a contender as far as an emotional win? Where would last night have ranked over the last few years? Well, Jay, the owners developed a goaltender, or sorry, developed a coach, uh, Nick, out of uh, uh, you know Toronto guy, Jay Woodcroft, and he's had to fight for everything that he's ever got. And they, he got promoted last year on February 10th. Edmonton has the best winning percentage in the Western Conference since Jay Woodcroft took over as coach. That's last year in February. Since Christmas, the Oilers are 18-7-6. That's the best record of any Western Conference team. 
So they've actually been playing pretty well. They've cut the goals against down. Their power playing goals for speak for themselves. I mean, they're since Jay's been the coach, they've been the leading scoring team in the NHL with vastly improved 5v5 play. But last night was a big deal. Like, it was. I mean, Boston's a good team. For whatever reason, the Oilers win there. They've won six of their last seven games in Boston. Hmm. I think what happens is Boston opens it up a bit more at home, and the Oilers just go out and play. And when Edmonton plays at home against Boston, because the Bruins have won a bunch of games at Edmonton, uh, the Oilers try to entertain, and Boston displays that mature, smart game and waits for the Oilers to make mistakes, and then they execute on them. So... Um, it was a, a big game, but guess what? Tomorrow's a big game, too. There's a lot of Ontario kids on the team. They're not kids. They're men. Um, you know, Connor hasn't played in front of fans here in Toronto since he undressed Morgan Riley uh, back, I think it was January 6th of uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, this is going to be a big night. It's going to be a fun night, and Toronto's got a real good team. They're way better at home. And the Leafs, you know, they're a good home team. The Oilers are actually a really good road team. Edmonton's 20-10-3 and this year on the road. 13, 4, and 3 in their last 20. Uh, we're all looking forward to it. God, hockey's fun sometimes. Finally, uh, this is a this is a great Saturday night matchup. We are, uh, as I mentioned, we're, we're excited about it. When, you know, considering the, the division that they're in and the conference that they're in, I think the Oilers are the best team in the West. Colorado can make that case when they're healthy. But right now the Oilers are in, this, in the first wild card slot, you know, a step behind Seattle, L.A., Vegas, but only four points out of the division lead. How important is it for Edmonton to get to the top of this group by the time playoffs start? Well, Justin, I think Edmonton can get there because they've got a substantially easier schedule for about their final 12 or 13 games. And the Oilers totally the last three years have been a second-half team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're running the gauntlet of an eight-game stretch where they got – Winnipeg, who going in, you know, a couple of weeks out, we're playing pretty good hockey. You know, you got Winnipeg twice, the Leafs twice, and Boston twice. So they beat in Boston, they beat on the road. You know, when the, when the Bruins hadn't squandered a, a lead, third period lead all season, um, they handled Toronto probably easier than any other time in a matchup between the two teams over the last. Like Toronto was nine zero and one in Edmonton, yeah, like owned them, owned them, right? And the Oilers were way better than the Leafs that night. Um, and it was and the level. Here's another thing for you guys: the level of engagement from the Oilers players in that game against Toronto. Back home, had come in. Yeah, Tyson Berry was a popular guy, but I think the players showed their appreciation for what the manager did. And, and McDavid and Drysaddle spearheaded at the start. They they ratcheted up the intensity, and it culminated with Ryan Nugent Hopkins sticking up for Kyler Yamamoto and working over Justin Hall. Like it was, they were they were engaged. So. You know, they had a tough eight-game stretch. They they pulled some wins out of here, and I actually think Edmonton will come in first and second in the Pacific Division. I don't know if they'll end up top spot. I do think it's important to at least get home ice for the first round. So the decision not to play Jack Campbell against the Leafs last week, the decision not to play him tomorrow night, a uh, handful of games coming uh, up in the next couple of weeks. Where is there opportunities for this guy to feel good about himself going into uh, a Stanley Cup situation where if if Skinner falters, he's got to jump in. Oh, you know, it's funny with goalies because to me, goalies, unless you have one of the top three or four guys, they're like relief pitchers. You know what I mean? Like they have a good run and then they don't. Unless you got, you know, Rivera. Like it just, so, you know, Vasilevsky, just and we're talking about different caliber guys. I don't think it's set in stone that Skinner's the guy for the playoffs. Like, if Stewart has two or three poor starts in a row, Jack's going to get his opportunity. 
it's been a difficult year. You know, they made him change his equipment a bit, modernize on that front. Um, I don't think there's quite the same pressure at Edmonton as there is in Toronto, but he signed a big ticket. And Skinner is the most poised, like you guys both played. You know, goaltenders at times can be unique personalities. He's, Stuart Skinner's the antithesis of this. He's 24 going on 29. He's just a mature, calm, relaxed, easygoing guy. And his teammates, they've watched this evolution from, we had people in the organization three or four years ago that didn't think this guy could play in the NHL. You know, and the, the pandemic here was huge, that 2021 season. Because he got a taste at the NHL of being around Mike Smith. And Koskinen, you know, a 39- and 33-year-old goaltender. And then he went down, and the Pacific Division was the only American League division that had a playoff, and, and Bakersfield won that. They beat Logan Thompson and Vegas' farm team in Henderson that year. So he just took, he's just taken quantum leaps, but he's just – it's the poise. Like, I, I, I don't like goaltenders that are frenetic and are up and down. Like I like guys that are consistent. And he is, and it's it's just ironic. I mean, it's it's hard to believe, like they because they've been so poor. <laughs> to put things in perspective in drafting, they have not drafted. The Leafs have the only player that the Oilers have drafted in the last twenty years after round one that's had a sixty-point season in the NHL. You know who that is? No, Eric Gustafson. He's a defenseman. <laughs> they haven't okay. drafted one forward. Stu McGregor was my head coach in Edmonton. He was the, he ran the draft. I used to, but I mean, and I bring this up because, you know, not lots of teams miss on goalies. Like there's people that say, don't draft goalies, just go and sign them. But this is the exception, an Edmonton area product that they drafted, developed. And he's to a large extent, in spite of the brilliance of Connor McDavid, we haven't even talked about that. To a large extent, Skinner has been the guy that's kind of salvaged things for Edmonton because Jack Campbell right now, if you go to moneypuck.com, is 93rd out of 95 goaltenders um, in, in, a, in expected goals, you know, in terms of or goals saved above expectation. 93rd out of 95, minus 20. Some people think between 9 to 11 points this year with his starts. That's, that's what's been cost. Oilers would be, you know, if they'd had average goaltending. Now, don't get me wrong, Jack's pulled the Oilers out in a couple of games, but it's Skinner's played a huge part in a modicum, and I use the word modicum of success that Edmonton's had this year. We're looking forward to a great night. Uh, stop. Thanks for doing this, man. Really appreciate your time. Hey, awesome, guys. Take care. Thanks, Enjoy Stop. The game. Appreciate it. Bob Soffer, host of Oilers Now. Everybody's gearing up for tomorrow night. Should be a dandy yeah yeah so it's an interesting oilers team well the one thing that stood out for me last night beating the boston bruins is they didn't need Connor mcdavid or dry saddle to carry the offense like they found a way to win without those guys lighting it up going down and without those guys lighting it up they get a win in boston it's very impressive but i do you know they're they're deeper now with Kane. Since the pickup of Kane, they have an extra bit of grit and scoring. Hyman taking a step. Nugent Hopkins having a career year. Like, it's all kind of firing at the right time. Now, are Cody Cece and Evan Bouchard and Brett Kulak and Vinny DeHarnays? You know, like, are those guys going to be I don't know. awesome and deep? You're, you're just rolling the dice right but now. But maybe it doesn't matter in the West as much, you know? know. You finish first in that uh, but it, division. It's just a matter of some guys, if they can handle the pressure too, like 
you can look at it and say it's wide open, but, you know, Evan Bouchard, a young player, tremendous upside. He's the might, man now. Might be a turnover in there, there where you're like, right? So it's like, hey, Evan, I'm not sure if you're quite ready for this, but we need you to help win us the Stanley Cup right now. But again, it's not like they're playing Boston and Tampa or the Rangers or the Devils yeah. or the whatever. It's going to be Seattle. Or the Kings, or you know, like it's not that those are bad teams, but you they're did not the game the same last level. night. Yeah, I thought Skinner's two goals were horrible, awful. The the one at the end of the period was Freaked. like uh, just a killer, horrible goal. You know, horrible second goal. Second left that, that, and he already screwed it up behind the net. Yeah, yeah he he passed it to the front of the net. You got to be so and pissed on the Crunchy bench. He picked wild. it off. Yeah, yeah, that was vile. And then I'm watching the game winning goal on Swayman. From Darnell. So when they shot through his crest? And I'm like, I you could show me that on replay a hundred times and a hundred times. I can't figure out how that got through him. No. Yeah, it's like the you know, someone like swallowing a sword. I'm like, what's the science on that? Is that can a puck go through your chest? Is that I don't understand the technicalities. But it's in the net. So um do you guys done in the Oilers? I got a couple things I want to bring up with you. Uh yeah. Think so. Sure. Yours, yeah. So last night, uh, I was quite interested because Eric Comrie gave up 10 goals. They left all him in 10. for all 10. So I was interested in how many goalies had actually surrendered 10 goals in the history of the NHL. So I asked our wonderful stat department, how many goalies do you think in the history of the NHL have given up 10 goals? Oh, God, 100? I, mean, I feel like it happened all the time. I think it might be under 50. You're, you're getting pulled. <laughs> you're not lasting. True. Wrong. 123 goalies have allowed 10 or more goals in a game. Okay. All right. K- Ken wrong. McCauley had 11 games where he allowed 10 goals. Ah, come on. Yeah, man. What a, what a record that Ken is. Ken McCauley. Have. And, I mean, if you, it's, his pictures on Google are black and white. So, what year? Uh, what year? I mean, he played, like, I don't know, his hockey DB. What era? He played for a 40, team called, like, the Wanderers <laughs> no, he, or the Millionaires. He played or... for the Rangers from 43 and 44 and 44 and 45. See, uh, I'm going to give him a pass. He was using, you know, a Howard chunk Lock- of Redwood for a step. Howard Lockhart did it seven times. And the guy, the trophy for the best goalie is named after, George Vesna, gave up 10 goals six times. See, Eric Comrie can go, listen, George <laughs> Vesna did this and six times. Own sound legend. I had to bring it up. Harry Lumley. The rink is named after him. He was my next door neighbor. He gave up 10 five times. He was your next door neighbor. Yes, he was. How small is Owen Sound? Seven people? No, 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 no. He was my next door neighbor for a long time. And Greg Millen gave up it was five times. He did 10 goals. So. All right. Um, <laughs> and in the last. Throw Millsy under <laughs> the oh, bus. He was, on, he was on the list. And in the last 25 years, there's been. So since 97, 98, there have been five goalies to allow 10 goals in a game. Eric Comrie last night. Jonas. Jonas. Uh, the guy from Colorado. Jonason. Yeah. Johansson. He gave Al Montoya. Steve Valiquette. Oh. Valley gave up. Valley gave up 10 in 08, 09, and Billy Ranford in 98. We got to get Valley back on. So oh, there yeah, you go, we'll boys. Get Valley back on. There you go. Okay, we're going to get to uh, some, some texts and tweets, but we got to pick lines. Well, first, I want to, I, I got stats for you. Okay, give us Tampa Bay stats. So I wrote an article today on sportsnet.ca about how much should the Toronto Maple Leafs engage with Tampa's physical nature? In the playoffs, because Tampa's going to try to drag him into the alley. And I was thinking about are it. Are they really? Yes, they are. 
So I was thinking about it. I was like, or that... just a few guys. Well, I don't know. Uh, so I, I thought, boy, that team, gritty, physical, they seem to do this a lot. So I started looking into it. First in the NHL in PIMS per game this year, the Tampa Bay Lightning. First in the NHL with 12 minutes and 10 seconds of penalties per game. So I looked into it with this group. You know what they finished last year? Uh, first in the NHL in PIMS. Going back 11 years, they were first nine times and second twice. Never outside of the top two in PIMS while John Cooper has been the coach. They, so you who, have to, who's been the culprit? Because Corey Perry hasn't been there that long. So Cooper's got to be a part of it. He must like some of this. Um, their I, stars I, take penalties. Their stars Kucherov take takes penalties. a ton of penalties. He's yep. a greasy you-know-what. You have to go back to, hold on. You have to go back to 2005 for them to be out of the top five in PIMS in Tampa Bay. Weird. Isn't that bizarre? Who has been leading them in penalty minutes I don't know. All these years. So last year. Um, What's Hedman's PMs? Give me, give me Hedman's and, PMs. And Kipper, it's only going up. Over the last six years, their, their PIMs are 1023, 1040, See, I, 11, I find this, 11, 16, 11, 30, 10, 12, 10. I find this fascinating. Gritty, gritty. And so this year they go all the way in. The only reason they finished second last year, they were two seconds behind Nashville because Tanner Janot led the league in majors. So who'd they get this year? Tanner Janot. They want to be the muckiest, grimiest, grittiest so team in hockey. We're going back to Stevie Eiserman days, yes. and like it's been a consistent thing. Yes. So this year, Pat Maroon leads the way with for them with 105. Corey Perry, 76. Ian Cole, Sergachev, Bogosian, yeah, Eric Turner. These guys. They're just all. Sergachev is greasy. Bogosian yeah. is greasy. Yeah. It's a greasy team. So Chernak, if you're at the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and you picked up Achari and Lafferty and McCabe yeah. and uh, Shen, how much do you, how much attention do you give to those guys who become more relevant when you give them attention? I think the answer is clear because you went out and got those guys. You didn't get them to turn the other cheek, but it just feels like that's a game you're going to lose against Tampa I, Bay. I think the difference between I'm just going to pick on Engvall because Engvall got benched last night. Cause he played eight minutes for the Isles, by the benched. way. I'm just going to pick on him. Yeah, He's going to go away when he gets pressed like that. He did. They chirped him all playoffs last year because he wouldn't fight Hagel. He's going to go away. And the guys they brought in aren't necessarily going to engage. And, you know, I don't think they're big fighters, Lafferty and, you know, and Shan. Well, Shan will drop him, but I don't think he's necessarily a brawler and Achari's not. But I don't think they're going to go away when these guys are leaning No, they're on. not going to turn the other cheek. That's what I mean. They're not, but there has to be enough of a thought process that says we don't need to go toe-to-toe with them every time. We can pick our spots, and then we're going to have to hope like hell that we are leading a charge enough where the officials can read that they're trying to engage us. Yeah, They're, hold, they're trying to hold us back from playing the game and you get the calls that you you're hoping to get, yeah. And you kill them on the power play. That's the problem, though, right? Is that's the answer? Is that you have to make them pay for that style of game? And the Leafs haven't shown that they can do that. You know, that's a, to me a, a big question here. So I mentioned in the article. Uh, when I was in junior hockey, our coach would write up, you know, we're playing a playoff series against this team, circle a couple of guys and say, every time we're on the ice with them, we're in their ear and say, we're coming for you every shift. And then there's guys that you just ignore 
And that would be Perry and Maroon and Belmar and whatever. You don't even acknowledge them. But you can't not acknowledge a guy who's punching you in the face the way Matthews did Sherratt or, you know, Sedin did Marchand. You have to acknowledge it. So I think that's a big test for the Leafs is how much is stay focused and play hockey versus not getting pushed around, fighting back at you. So one thing that I didn't have in my article this week on on things to do in the next 18 games for the Toronto Maple Leafs is get in a couple of brawls. Love get it. in a couple love of five-on-fives. <laughs> Muck it up. Like, God, learn, I'd love to see that. Learn how to just play the game a little bit without taking yourself out of rhythm. your lane or yeah. your rhythm. But work on it. You remember get, that? Get, get a little greasy Saturday night if if need be. That game last night, Tampa's down three to one with six minutes and forty seconds to go. They have a five on five brawl. It, it doesn't become all about that. They stay in the fight. They pull their goalie. They score twice on the power play. They tie the game up. You know, like Tampa can play within the confines of that emotion, and the Leafs haven't shown that they are able to yet. So uh, anyway, that's something I'm watching. Luke Shen in front of the net, couple of cross checks, and then a scrum. We, we had that look last week in Calgary. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's there for them. Maybe maybe they'll find it a bit down the down the stretch. I, okay, I'm dying for a brawl. <laughs> <laughs> well, just listen, I'll I'll punch you after the show. No, not that kind of brawl. I volunteer as well. I just I like I watched the highlights of that game last night, and there's just few things that make me feel excited about all the guys just getting really mad and all the gloves coming off. And it just, it's... It was actually funny because Perry's trying to fight someone and someone's trying to grab Perry and Bogosian's trying to grab the guy off Perry and like, you know... That was great. It really was a good dust up. Yeah. You like the juice, huh? Yeah, like the juice. <laughs> right. Okay, you want to pick lines uh, and see if you can... Oh, before you, we get to... I just feel like we're going to waste time preparing this. Oh, we didn't prepare? No, not. Oh, you did prepare. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> good. Hey, I'm a professional. <laughs> oh, yeah. Air quotes. Oh. Derek, you got any um, bingo bango sounds for us? I'm evolving. <laughs> bingo right. bango? I'm picking three. Is that Ziskun Ba? Three names. <laughs> That's great. Love it. Go ahead. All right. I'm picking the first three names here. Or for first three numbers. We got 52. We got 29. Oh, boy. Who's that? And we got 16. Oh, my God. So we got a Chari Lafferty Marner? Yes. <laughs> no, it's 29. 29? 29 or 20? Who's, who's 29? 29's Holmberg. Holmberg. Okay, a Chari Holmberg Marner. Holmberg in there? Oops. <laughs> I'm coming up with something way better than that. <laughs> Do you put him back in? Oh, yeah. I'm going next. Oh, okay. I'm picking a line now. Okay. All right. Oh my god! Yeah, you, you say them all already. Who's the first guy I picked? Sixteen. Oh, Flex Seal. Flex Seal. <laughs> I cannot believe. Alex Deferfoot. I got him now. Number one left winger. All right. Okay. I'm not going that guy. Okay. He literally put a name back in. No. You got... <laughs> that ruins the exercise. All right. With with Kerf. Oh my god. Sixteen. We got Mitchie. Oh my god. Mitchie's playing with Kerf on his top oh line. Oh my god. Right. And Bunts. That's, so that means my, play, my line's better than yours. You for got, sure. You got to play Bunts in the, on the wing, Kerfoot in the middle, and Marner on right then. Okay, go one more time. Okay. Give me these three. I grabbed three. All right. I got Camp. I got Matthews, <laughs> and I got Achari. Oh, that sucks. 
Camp Matthews at Charlie. That's the worst. Found that's a winner the, yet? That's the worst line you can put together in the Leafs. Oh my gosh! I got Tavares. I got Simmons. <laughs> and I got yarn croc. Right, oh, this exercise is over. Yeah, guess what, guys? <laughs> Keith's better than this. <laughs> no, no. Keith's not that far off to this. <laughs> this is ultimately what the coaches are doing in the uh, morning. You had Tavares, Simmons, and who? All right. Yarn croc. Yarn croc. Oh, I like it. I like it. By the way, like, is Simmons in the mix or is he not in the mix? Great question. I think he's just there. Just one question. Getting some reps. I don't, like, I... I I get the fact that he doesn't want to play for the Marlies. It's a, it's just a pride thing, I'm sure. For like, sure. It's in the city. I don't understand why he wouldn't play a few games just to try to stay sharp. Well, I think he would. Oh, with the Marlies. Yeah. Has he ever played in the American League? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm looking up. That's a pretty, that's a, you know. You but push- that's a, it's a, a, you, is that the reason why you're not playing for the Marlies? Just to stay sharp? Like, if the team needs you and you need to go in, don't you want to play a few games? I actually was thinking, like... He has never it, played a game in the AHL. I was thinking if it came down to, like, last game where they got to have Holmberg and Steves, like, give me Simmons instead of Steves. Like, just give me something. Oh, something, of course. I'm okay you know? with Simmons needing to come back in. I just, I just don't understand how he can sit for two weeks and just shoot pucks in practice months, every day. Yeah. Two months. Yeah. And... and and play once every two and a half, three weeks and not be in the rhythm of, of a hockey game. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. I wouldn't envy that position. When's why, the last time he played? Would they, I, he why would they not like press him to play? Ago, two, three weeks you ago, wanna, not that long Hey, ago. listen, we may need you in the playoffs. Can you go play a few games and just stay sharp? Yeah, the last time he played was February 1st. It's a good point. Ruins. It's a good point. You know, like if... It's not like we're asking you to go to St. John's. Yeah. Well, Utica's Across not the great. street. <laughs> You know, if, you're, if there's a home game here and you can just go across the hall and... Yeah, you don't want to go play in, you know, Lake Erie Monsters or something. You know what? If I were Simmons, I don't know if I'd have a hard time being like, I'm like 14 years into my career or something. I feel the same way. Listen, I, I get that, but we're... You're all trying to win a Stanley Cup here. Can you check the egos at the door here? Yeah. No, you're... Listen, your point resonates with me because a lot of times I think we do too much tiptoeing around egos. Like, it's your hockey player, you're part of the team, then be in shape in case we need you. But, Wayne, if you win the Stanley Cup this year, no one's going to remember the three games you played for the Marlies. In fact, they may say, look at this guy's commitment to being a champion. There you go. Okay, what do we got? Uh, Not a whole lot, (laughs) if I'm being honest. Okay, let's just sit here for the next 12 minutes and watch the golf. No, I got one for you. Ramey made another bogey. No, it's, no, this is not, this is not uh, live. This is now a replay because oh. they blew the horn. Okay. They blew uh, the horn. Unlive. <laughs> unlive. They blew the horn. Unfortunately, Adam Svensson had just made another birdie to go to minus eight. Wow. Oh, and, and they blew the horn. So he, his momentum had... On and, what? Darkness? Uh, What's going no, on? No, uh, bad weather. Big oh, storm weather. coming in. The play is completely suspended oh, today. Oh, good. They're not starting until tomorrow morning. Why should we be in bad weather and them not? Oh, it's still snowing, eh? Good Lord. All right. This is an interesting question. From Warrior Womp, who is a contributor to our show yeah, on YouTube. 100%. Tavares, Gio, and O'Reilly were all captains on their former teams and came to play for Toronto. My question is, towards the end of his career, would Stamkos ever consider putting on a Maple Leafs jersey? It's a good question. I'm taking no. I feel like the rivalry has been too direct. The decision not to come here was already made once. I feel like... 
I don't know. That's a big slap in the face to your, you know, one team your whole life playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Don't you think? I'm with you. I don't see ever a scenario where Stamkos is coming. And if he is, then it falls into that same routine of getting great players at their end of their careers. Just want to do it to do it. Well, it's just like a, a looking for retirement jobs. Yeah. Oh, I see. Within the organization. I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily the case, but just something convenient and, you know, makes your family happy. Mm-hmm. And it's just. It is funny. It, like the, the opportunity was there for Stamkos to be a Toronto Maple Leaf prior to Tavares. He said, no, thank you. Yeah. And that's where it stands. And he will retire at Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, he's a one-team guy to me. But it is interesting. Like, if Muzzin is hurt, hurt, and can never play again, probably end up in the organization in some capacity. If he chooses. You know? And Spezza has, Spezza has done that as well. And yeah, I know. But you're only, you're only as comfortable as the people that have brought you in. And if if by chance... You know, Kyle Dubas isn't there anymore. Yeah, right. All bets are off on a lot of people in the staff. and True. Ex-players or analytic departments, everybody's on the line here in the first round. A lot of livelihoods and paychecks uh, hanging on the balance of here, an outcome. Here's one for you. This is a good question. What's up, Sammy and boys? I guess you guys are the boys. Got a a great two-part question for you. Wow, he's really pumping it up. We'll decide how great it <laughs> Compa- is, pal. Compared to last year, would you say the Leafs are worse, the same, or better? And what about Tampa? Question mark. Great question. What do you think, boys? I'm going to take the Tampa side because I wrote about it today. Yeah. They're yeah. worse. Okay, and I'll take better for the Leafs. Okay. Um, the the Tampa Bay Lightning have not been outside of the top 10 in any goals for or goal, goals against category for five years. They're 15th in goals against in the NHL right now. Like, they're porous. They're giving up goals like crazy. That has not been the case of that decor in the past. As far as the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think we just go back to last week and uh, the players that they brought in, legitimate. Uh, there's no there's no tryout feel for Lafferty. There's no tryout feel for Achari. They're proven uh, depth guys. Mm-hmm. They, they're battlers. They give you a playoff feel and look. And that's something that uh, I think has been missing the last few years. The only thing I would say there is just that the Leafs' best, not best, only their best players, but two of them, Matthews and Riley, were kind of waiting on, right? Like they had better seasons last year. We felt better about where they were at. So need them to kind of come around a little bit. So this is a great question with the Oilers in tomorrow that it won the sure to piss off Oilers fans. I know this has probably been asked a thousand times, but will McDavid come to Toronto? And that's from Colin and Barry. I got to say, I got to believe not. But if he, you know, if things don't go well in Edmonton for long enough and he ever wanted to go somewhere. The Oilers are only a, a, <laughs> a couple of years away from that, that, that feel that Leaf Nation has now with Matthews and Nylander and... Marner after I think two years and that is like what's going to happen on on new deals for McDavid and, and Dreisaitl mm-hmm. and it's not that far off Dreisaitl is I think a year behind Matthew so Matthews gets to renegotiate and potentially sign an extension in July Dreisaitl's comes a year later mm-hmm. 
But we're, we're talking, guys, 15-plus million for both of them. And here's something to keep in mind, yes. that there was a projection of a salary cap going up in the foreseeable future. But there's a little bit of a hiccup going on with regional television and as many as a dozen, 13 teams that are really affected. It won't affect the salary cap next year, but in two years, this hiccup with that Bally Regional Sports Network Mm. can come back and really throw a wrench into where the salary caps is in year two, three, or four from now. Yeah. The which which McDavid which affects which affects McDavid, Drysaddle, Matthews, uh, all of them. But with the Oilers and McDavid, if the salary cap were eighty four million or ninety four million, they would give him twenty percent of that in a heartbeat just to make sure he stays. You know, you can't be the team that gets rid. But of he doesn't Gretzky want that. But he doesn't want that because if it costs you Drysaddle, yeah. well, why do I want to stay and, and carry yeah. that burden by myself? Yeah, yeah, I. I you know, I don't. I don't think he harbors some secret desire to do it or anything. But uh, all I know is, I saw his face when Edmonton won the draft lottery, <laughs> and he knew how in the mix Toronto was. That man's dream is to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Leafs show. That yeah, is. There's listen, your red meat, folks. Listen, you can say, "Hey, you can come out to me, Oilers Twitter." It's his dream. Well, it's always been his listen, dream. And I don't know where he stands on if he if he if he feels like he's. He's okay being the best player on the planet and not really getting the same international love as other top athletes of their sports. I can't think of someone who wants attention less than McDavid. Then maybe he stays in Edmonton. Yeah. But like, as far as the league's concerned, Edmonton's not a great place to have the best player on the planet. And the Wayne Gretzky oh, yes. factor, the Wayne Gretzky factor yeah. was that you know you're you're not getting as much love being an Edmonton Oiler as you ever did with the LA King and the, the that trickle effect in the yeah. U.S. You got a cartoon and a series. And I don't know, where, where would the league be? You think the league would really want McDavid in Edmonton the rest of his career? You think they want Bedard in Arizona? Yeah, they do, because they want to save their stupid team down there. I, I mean, these are all factors to consider. Such a fun show, and now we're going to get killed for this. I love it. No, it's fair points. You've not said one thing that I disagree with. John Tavares is eleven million off the books, twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. Connor McDavid, a free agent in twenty five, twenty six. Throwing it out. There. Not saying, just saying. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't. Oh be- yeah, sorry. After twenty five, twenty five, twenty six. And just how much is Mitch Marner making? Because you lost. Well, I lost. You lost who? Lost Tavares. Oh, won't he want to make that up? Or yeah, that's fine. But the cap will be up, you know. Is Matthews gone in your books when McDavid comes to or just Tavares? That's, that's the dirty little secret here that like, I don't on. know. I... No, you don't know. I don't know that part. I'm, listen, I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking into my crystal ball, and that part is unclear so far. <laughs> that part's unclear to me. Who's the fan that asked that question that totally is going to kill us for the next, <laughs> like, five hours on Twitter? Who? What do you mean? Who asked it? Yeah, who asked it? Oh, some guy, and uh, it was a guy on the text line, Colin and Barry. Colin. Colin and Barry. Thanks, Barry. I spent a lot of time. So, Justin, you, you've got him leaving Edmonton, eh? 
<laughs> yeah, I did not say that. Don't put it in my mouth. I'll say it. Yeah, he's gone. You better win one, baby. Conversation gone. going into Oilers versus the Leafs tomorrow night. The Oilers got to win. I know that them being good keeps their player happy. He, he wants to win a cup. If he doesn't think he'd win a Do cup. Do you ever see in, envisioning McDavid or anyone else just saying, I want the whole cap. 20% what I'm entitled to. Yeah, Marner's going to do it next No, I was going to say Austin Matthews for sure. <laughs> for sure. You think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you crazy? 20% of the Kings cap so unlike NHL players. Yeah. He's unlike a lot of NHL players. What do you think? What? what? So what is like, what, what is the cap? 20% max. I know, no, but what, what does that say on like... Oh, on 90 million, it's 18 million. Oh, I can't see anybody asking for that. No, that's crazy. No. Except when, yeah, when David signs in Toronto for 18 million. All right. All right. <laughs> Just like that. Enjoy the game, baby. Totally <laughs> derailed this show. Bob Stoffer, thank you very much. Doug McLean, thank you very much. Chris Terrian, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the game Saturday night. We're back on Monday. Real Kipper and Born. Thanks for watching. Feel the easy way to cope.